Welcome to another edition of the Hypocritical Podcast. I'm Elena Hugh, your host, and joining me this week, Rick Kuahara, Chief Operating Officer. Hey, Elena. Thank you so much. And, you know, of course, on the top of everybody's minds, we're going to dive right in with something related to COVID-19. Yeah, it's always uh, top of mind these days. Um, But another announcement from the Office of Civil Rights. So they are doing even more things to make make it responses to COVID-19 even faster and easier for covered entities and business associates. So the latest news that they announced was that they are going to be waiving HIPAA penalties for care that is related to COVID-19 testing. So they announced this on April 9th, but they're doing it retroactively all the way back to March 13th. Uh, basically, for as long as you know, there is a public health emergency. This temporary amendment makes it so that the OCR will not impose uh, penalties for non-compliance to HIPAA regulations if the activities itself is related to the operation of a COVID-19 community-based testing site. So similar to the other provisions and waivers that they've had, you know, they're assuming that covered entities or business associates are operating in good faith. But as we know, you know, testing is not happening fast enough or is available for enough people. So a lot of these community-based testing sites have been popping up. So you can think of it like those, um, drive-through or mobile pop-up spots where they are testing, doing testing for the community. So a lot of these places um, may not have the setup needed because it is temporary space. It's popped up. It's quick. It's fast. They might not have necessarily have all the protections in place that you would normally find at a hospital or a more controlled location. So I see. a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times it would become a HIPAA violation if, for example, you don't have a secured area where you're storing all patient information. Like if you're taking information from someone and then you have to go back to your temporary workstation where you're implement, you know, you're download, you're sorry, you're inputting it all. Um, that area is supposed to be secure and no one can get to. But of course, it's not always possible in like these mobile pop-up sites. So um a lot of times these places are just setting up temporary privacy canopies they are trying to control car traffic and uh foot traffic as much as possible but there's only so much they can do so it's good that the ocr is kind of waiving the penalties for these situations as long as those covered entities are doing it in good faith and trying to do as best they can to protect the phi that they are collecting and really, this is super important so that, you know, these covered entities won't be afraid of a violation if they were to set up a pop-up site. And of course, the most important thing right now is to try and get testing out to as much people as possible as they need it as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's really good to know and, and gives people peace of mind that they can collect the information that's needed right now. Right. Because that should be the first priority. I mean. Uh, as we all kind of know, rapid testing is one of the critical things that's needed if we have any hope to, you know, get back to some sort of normalcy. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, that's great. Um, And it's always nice to start off with some good news. And uh, what else do you have for us this week? Well, we just published our uh, monthly HIPAA breach report uh, last week. And every month we look at the previous month of the breaches that have been reported to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And last month, it looked like the top three breach types were, again, email number one by a big margin, which with over 235,000 people's uh, PHI potentially affected. Desktop as a source of the breach came in at number two. Um, And that's the first time it really cracked the top three for uh, this year. And it had over 80,000 people have their PHI potentially affected um, because of a breach caused through desktop computing. And then the third one is a new one kind of, it's electronic medical record breaches. And that came in third. But the number one threat factor, again, is still email. You know, as we see, it's number one in the breach types and it's consistently, you know, at that top spot because it is, you know, one of the easiest entry points for um, hackers. So last month, there are 13 reported breaches that were caused by an email attack. Um, so a lot of times that's like phishing, ransomware, something like that. But the silver lining is that even though the number of breaches total actually increased uh, to 34 last month versus 30 in the previous month, the actual severity of the breaches did drop. So that's great news. Um, uh, last month, about 390,000 people were affected, but the previous month, there's 1.2 million people affected, which is really big because of one gigantic breach. Um, But still overall, it's good to see that at least the severity is going down. Uh, I think the largest breach last month was from a phishing attack that happened to Tandem Diabetes Care, and that affected over 140,000 patients. I see. And would you attribute the desktop breaches to maybe all the people that are now at home and they're using their desktop as opposed to, you know, when they would be at work or just using mobile? Good question. In this case, it was a rare um, breach that happened. And it's still, um, I, I think the cover entity is still fighting it, but it was one breach that affected close to 70,000 people. Mm. So if you take that out, then it's, still, it's not going to be in the top three. Okay. But um, that is a little bit unusual. You know, desktop, we don't usually see that uh, as one of the more effective ones. A lot of times it's email and servers being hacked. So this one was a little bit unusual, but yeah, first time desktop has cracked the top three this year. Mm, okay. Well, here on our Hypocritical podcast, we like to focus on first news headlines and then transition over to winners and failures. And so we've got a couple to share. We're going to start with winners. Yeah. So winners, um, a lot of, you know, eyeballs are on New York because that is kind of the epicenter of the pandemic. But some good news out of there is Montefiore, a health system, is... Uh, recently got into the news for doing a good thing, which was trying to use um, a chatbot on this website to help get information out better and faster 
to people trying to, who are maybe looking for that info online. So they are using a chatbot, uh, which if you're not familiar with, is where you go online to a website. There's usually something in the corner and you can chat with um, the company directly versus having to call in or um, go in person. So as we know with people trying to do social distancing and staying away if they don't have to go to the hospital, um, chat is a great tool to use, uh, especially since a phone, you know, even phone lines can get uh, oversaturated. So what they're doing is they have a chat bot and they're trying to use artificial intelligence to kind of help with um, keep FAQs for people updated, you know, as they change because everything's changing so fast. So one, one big thing that they're doing is they're trying to help people um, find CDC guidelines um, and keep that updated in real time through their chatbot. So if someone's going on and they have questions and it, you know, they could be helped by going to the CDC guidelines. They're able to keep all that flow updated in real time versus having a person trying to manually update it and, you know, maybe having a typo or something, you know, they're, they're trying to actually feed that information through and keep it updated with this chatbot. Excellent. And, you know, obviously doctors are busy tending to patients and uh, some that are deemed not essential or being told to stay home. And so, like you said, you know, the opportunity to call or speak to someone in person is not, you know, readily available. And so this is a great alternative. Right. And it helps the staff too, because a lot of these, um, you can call them FAQs, right? Frequently asked questions you know, if you get asked the same thing over and over again, a lot of times they've built resources that people can um, help themselves with. This chatbot can help better direct people to the information they need faster than having to even email someone, then wait a day or two for an answer. They can just go and the chatbot can help direct people to the resources they need. Mm -hmm. So it's really good uh, for both sides. And chatbots are pretty common in most industries. I mean, we have one on our website at Powbox. And um, these, it's great to see that, uh, you know, during this time to get more efficient, you know, health systems like Montefiore are kind of using this tool to help both patients and their staff. Excellent. All right. Well, while we just focused on a winner this week, who is failing? Well, not surprisingly, it's Zoom again. <laughs> um, we talked a little bit about it last week, how you can make Zoom secure. But um, as we know, they had the huge increase in users and credentials did get compromised. Well, now last week, news came out that a bunch of these credentials are now being swapped in underground forums um, on the dark web. So thousands of compromised Zoom credentials, like password, logins, that sort of thing, uh, were discovered in these forums that cyber criminals look at um, in, in order to get personal information. So researchers found that there was a database that had more than 2,300 compromised Zoom credentials. Uh, like I said, that's username, passwords, um, even meeting IDs, names, things like that. And it was across all industries from banks to healthcare providers to you know, educational facilities. 
And nobody knows exactly how these credentials got there. But the good news is it is a smaller number relative to what people usually see when there's these data dumps. Um, and it's also likely, though, that a lot of these came from small lists that people kept um, from a bunch of different agencies and were kind of put together and shared publicly. Um, and researchers say that's because it is being shared publicly and it's not being sold. So, okay. yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, it's out there. There's not much you can do about it now, but um, of course you can do things to secure your Zoom meetings. And there's a lot of best practices because a lot of these type of, the reason why a lot of this credentials were hacked and stuff is because people didn't do the basic things they need to do to make their meetings secure. And we wrote a, a blog post about that on our website so people can visit that take a look. It takes just like five minutes to read and make sure that you're kind of using these best practices when you are using Zoom. Do you recommend changing your Zoom password now? <laughs> if you wanted to, you could um, just to be safe. Um, if you weren't following the best practices before, then it's probably a good idea. Mm -hmm. uh, you Better to be safe than sorry. Um, but again, you know, if you were doing a lot of these things in the beginning, chances are that you weren't um, compromised. Good to know. Yeah. And check out that blog. It's on our website, powbox.com. That's P-A-U-B-O-X.com. And it's under the blog tab. Now this week, Rick had a chance to chat with Mark Haskelson, president and CEO of the Compliancy Group. Compliancy Group simplifies the challenges are the challenge of compliance with its web-based solution called The Guard, which can help any organization manage every aspect of HIPAA compliance. In this interview, they talk about the increased risk working from home creates and the biggest barriers to compliance most small businesses face and the future of compliance. Take a listen. So, of course, one of the biggest things in the news cycle these days is um, COVID-19, cr the coronavirus, and a lot of organizations are now having to move and work from home now. So what are the compliance risks that especially smaller healthcare practices need to be aware of when they do that? So, you know, the big, it's funny because we've gotten so many inquiries recently around those lines, you know, and in our, um, in our case, we, if you had, if you had always been compliant, you know, many of these issues would have already been addressed. But the big ones we're seeing is that a lot of people just really do not understand um, the, the risks or the increased risks of how you maintain or protect privacy and how you protect the information that you're working with, right? And, and in the way, you know, so what we're seeing, especially in the smaller practices, um, larger organizations understood VPNs and that, you know, they had proper equipment that had the right, you know, up-to-date and the correct virus um, and, and backup and, and disaster recovery or, you know, in your case, you know, the right secure messaging tools in place. But a lot of the small ones really never thought of it that way, right? So now they're grappling with not only did they, is this, is, are they working remotely, which is a total change in some cases can be a you know, may actually prevent their business from running. Um, there are, especially if you take healthcare, you know, the idea of switching to telehealth, what technology they can use, you know, is, you know, why is it okay to use Zoom versus FaceTime versus, mm -hmm. you know, some of the other tools. Um, so they're really grappling, you know, the, the, the biggest ones I would say are how to use what the technology that's available to them in a safe and secure way to serve their patients and to protect their organizations. Um, and there's a lot to it, but th th that I would say is the, the most common set of questions we get. 
how do I do this in a safe and compliant fashion? Right. And I, you know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking um, before about uh, you had a webinar recently that you guys did um, around it. And what are some takeaways that people can have uh, and apply for themselves? So, you know, a couple of just really simple tips and tricks, especially for the small organizations that are now working from home, a couple of basics, like, um, you know, you, you as an organization should have had, or, or, and actually if folks are looking for it, we're actually giving uh, away for free, a bring your own device and a um, work and a remote worker policy and set of procedures, right? So the people know what they should and should not do. But let me just give you some simple tips and tricks, right? First of all, most of these folks are working from home and you know, you know, you know how most people just tend to just, you know, their, their, their modem or their router that came with admin one, two, three. Um, mm-hmm. First step, please update your passwords, okay? You know, you know, if you thought it was easy, trust me, you know, every hacker in the world thought it was easy. So please, you know, some step ones is just really take the time, make sure your passwords are correct, that you've updated them, that they're secure. Um, you know, another one that we're seeing is a lot of folks, especially now that they're working, let's say, um, either could be on shared equipment with their family, is understand that, you know, if you are dealing with PHI, um, make sure that, um, you know, different computers, you can set up different profiles. Uh, make sure that your malware is up to date. Um, you know, we strongly recommend um, having good backup, having, good, you know, ha- you know, having, um, you know, for example, encryption, which, you know, if you're on a, if you're on a, you know, a, if you're on Windows 10, it's easy. And if you're on a Mac, it's easy, right? It's just, it's a function of turning it on, right? The other ones that we've seen is um, that we've been, we, we saw a lot of questions on the webinar we had yesterday was the concept of what a VPN is. Right. Because part of what we were saying is, look, you know, even if you really don't have the rest of your act together, um, if you are, you know, if you if you understand how to use a VPN and there's some inexpensive ones that you can get, you know, for a couple of bucks a month um, can make a really big difference in, in, in helping you protect it. Um, the other one, which which goes back to Pawbox is, um, you know, look, your patients do not understand and you're going to be exchanging information with them now, um, prim- primarily via email, you know, understand how to use, um, you know, how to use that correctly. Because when set up correctly, um, it's going to protect both you and your patients or your clients. Right. Those are great tips. Mark, where can they get uh, some of those free resources that you mentioned? So um, we have a whole free resources or free education section on our website. So if you go to compliancygroup.com, uh, under resource, under the resource tab, you'll see different types of resources that are available. Probably right now, because the rate or frequency of how how much is happening so quickly, you're, um, you'll find that going to the blog section is where you're going to see daily where we're releasing um, how-to guides. So how to make, for example, your conference service, um, services compliant. Uh, things like a bring your own device policy, so that your your staff, you know, you have a correct way they know to use, you know, they can use their own tools at home. In a Secure fashion, uh, uh, remote worker policies, and then a bunch of other, re, you know, a checklist, and you know, from a security perspective, they're all available on that website. Um, and really, we recommend you come grab them. Uh, and no, we're, we won't harass you. It's really meant to be free and educational. There's also a whole bunch of webinars we have uh, um, and recordings around different um, topics that our, our clients and or prospects have been asking us about. Uh, so one thing that you know helped you start compliance group. One of the biggest reasons was to simplify compliance. So what are the biggest barriers to compliance that you see, you know, your customers facing when they come to you? 
So, you know, it's a, it's a good question. Um, you know, being in the business, you know, and being a compliance geek, we think it's easy, right? But, I, but, but a lot of times, this is a, I, I think most people, it's fear, right? In that um, it's not really that hard, but I think, you know, when, when, when they think of federal regulation and administrative and privacy and security requirements, they, they get very overwhelmed and they're afraid that they're going to answer something wrong. Um, in reality, look, this is just a good way to look at your business once a year, you know, objectively look where your risks are and fix them, right? So, you know, it, it, but, but it's amazing how many people find that, you know, the, the concept of doing that extremely intimidating, you know, and that's part of what we do is really, you know, boil this down to, you know, a, a very simple, it's not easy. One of the things I say to a lot of folks, if you think compliance is easy or if someone's telling you compliance is easy, um, run away. Um, but it actually, you know, when, when, look, when broken down into, you know, how you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time, um, there are definitely ways, and, and this is what we're very proud of, of helping people uh, break this down into small bite-sized chunks that, that is, uh, let's say, plain English and helps them get it done in a very efficient fashion. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I know when we were starting with the compliance group uh, for ourselves and we use it, um, you know, you get, it's a lot to have all the right policies and procedures in place. I mean, it's kind of daunting when you have that, but it's very organized in how you kind of go through it. So it is simple um, when you just take it step by step. So um, yeah, great point. Oh, thank you. Uh, we, we appreciate you guys being clients and you know, we, we, we love the Pawbox product and recommend it to, uh, to all our folks. It's, it's a great way to solve, you know, one of the biggest problems is exchanging information in a secure way. Yeah, definitely. We appreciate uh, how you guys make compliance easy too. It's two complicated things that are definitely should be easier. Um, and speaking of that, um, where do you kind of see the compliance industry going in like the next 10 or 15 years? So uh, we, I think regulatory compliance is growing at, a, uh, at truly at an international level, right? Because in the end, although we think of regulatory laws, the concept of compliance, in, or, or let's say I think you know, my view of the concept of compliance is really helping you know, groups of people, systems, companies, whatever, work together in the most frictionless way. Because the end, really what compliance is saying is, hey, I want to make sure everyone understands the rules of engagement and that we all, you know, that, that, that should allow us to do, whether it's, you know, seeing a patient for, for treatment or two companies trying to solve a problem. If we understand those rules, then compliance becomes the thing that's, that, that makes it easy, right? That simplifies, you know, and, you know, you know, you know the, how to stay in your lane. Okay. Now, what I do think is happening, though, is that the world of compliance and the world of security um, are, are quickly coming, um, quickly running into each other. Because compliance or regulatory compliance as we knew it, although it had a security component, was really around people. Right. And, and, and still you see, you know, three quarters of the of the breaches or incidences that occur were not caused by te technology or technology failing, but were caused by, you know, human error. Okay, people not following the rules. So I think that um, what you're going to see over the next 10 years is both the, the, the concept of how to help people, you know, follow the rules better and not put their, 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 their businesses or their patients information at risk or whatever. There's so many different, you know, um, different types of regulatory compliance. And then the security component of the technology that will help you do that and do that safely are going to come together. And, and what we see is one of the big areas of growth we've seen is um, you know, the relationship we have with the cybersecurity and the outsourced IT world, because I can make you compliant, but you're not going to be secure, which means something's going to go wrong. 
Um, technology might be able to make you secure, but if your people don't understand the right way, how to use it and how not to use it, they're going to make mistakes and bring you down. So um, I, can, I, I believe that over time, those two things will really come together, even though some people may think they're already together now, they're really not. Um, but I think those two things are going to become much more of a common um, set of, let's say, tools that we're all used to using, right? And then, you know, think about it, you know, you would have thought that the concept of encrypted email just says, hey, I'm sending my information in a way that, you know, if it gets, if it gets unfortunately exposed, it's secure. Why is that so mind-bending? Right, combination of educating people and having the you know technology that that you know that that is um, convenient for people to use, and I think that's where I think that's where the the, the compliance industry will end up, is basically becoming um, very integrated into what is the security community, or vice versa, and how you look at it. Thank you so much, Rick. I always look forward to your interviews. Yeah, it's always fun to do, and as you could hear, Mark is super passionate about what he does. They're a great partner of Powbox as well. So we love working and talking with them and uh, hopefully more things we can partner with in the future too. Sounds great. And if you enjoy listening to this hypocritical podcast by Powbox, be sure to like and subscribe. And you can also keep track and tabs of all the latest news headlines on our website, powbox.com. Until next time, thank you so much.